0: it could well trigger a new era for our national game. The Gaelic Players Association met formally for the first time in Belfast last night
1: Players probably feel it's time that maybe some were their ideas were heard. The Breakaway Gaelic Players Association and the GAA hierarchy seem set
0: on a collision course tonight. And the official recognition agreement between the GAA and GPA uh, provides for um, joint commercial ventures. The player development program that's in place is something that's vital to the well-being of our players. You do your utmost to, to serve the members, and uh, that excites me a whole bunch.
1: Every day, you know, we're working with players. They're at the centre of everything that we do.
2: Hello, everyone, and welcome along to the Players' Voice podcast brought to you by the GPA. It's Jenny Rogers and Gemma Begley here in the hot seat this week, especially to mark International Women's Day.
3: Hi, everyone, my name is Jenny. Kieran and Colm have handed over the reins of the podcast to myself and Gemma today, and we're absolutely delighted to be joining you. Um, I play football for Westmead and I've been working with the GPA for the last two years across the areas of player welfare and development. Gemma, I'll let
2: you introduce yourself. Yeah, uh, Gemma Bagley, formerly of Tyrone Football and uh, I suppose I've been involved with the WGPA um, since basically 2015, um, project manager for the last few years and currently transitioning into the GPA um, I'm delighted to be working alongside you now, Gemma. Um, so today's show, we're going to give a quick update on integration and delighted we have two special guests joining us, Dem O'Connor and Amy Macken to, to share their stories with us. So first up, we have a quick update on integration and what's
3: been happening since we voted to integrate in December. So Gemma, will you tell us a little bit about where we're at with that?
2: Yeah, Gemma, so just before Christmas, the two associations, male and female, voted to become one and fully integrate. um, And work's been ongoing since then. The new um, Transitional National Executive Committee met for the first time. It um, brought together the, the 35 members that were previously on the, the National Executive Committees of the GPA and the double GPA. Um, and they're all working together, I suppose, in the interim until we, we finalize plans ahead of our first combined AGM. Um, and at that point, our National Executive Committee will elect 16 members, um, which will include two co-chairs, one male and one female, and a president and a secretary that will be our executive officers. So work's ongoing on that. Um, We've also, I suppose, in the the, the few short weeks and into the new year, already met with the LGFA and Camogie um, just to introduce our our newly combined association and and start to look at the relationship ahead and areas that we can collaborate on going forward, um, which is very positive. Um, And attending LGFA Congress, I suppose, is one of the first steps in that as well. Um, we've also been working on things, I suppose, internally ourselves, um, preparing for a, a review of the branding of the, the new association to bring together the, the double GPA and, and GPA previously. Um, proposals have already been submitted for that and they're, they're currently being reviewed. Um, and we'll hope to get that process done before the AGM as well. Um, and then finally, I suppose for me, the other the, the big piece, I suppose, has been pro- we're, we're in the process of procuring a new membership system um, That will be an update of the the existing GPA system, if you like, but it'll also incorporate the new female members. It'll be a a place to host all 4,000 odd members um, in one place and and pull all that together. Um, I know there's a lot going on in in terms of development and welfare, Jenny, you might just fill everyone in a small bit more on that.
3: Yeah, sure. As you've outlined there, Gemma, there's a lot of um, things going on at the moment in terms of formalising the integration of the two associations, but... In addition to that, there's a lot of things happening internally uh, in terms of progressing the integration of the different supports and resources that are available to male and female members. So while this the formalizing of the agreement, I suppose, has only been been happening over the last number of months, the collaboration between the WGPA and the GPA has been ongoing for a number of years. Um, I suppose one of the examples of that is the GPA Jim Madden Leadership Programme where we've always had male and female members taking part in that. And I think that's, you know, the strength of the programme for assessment to the strength of having male and female players working together and the diversity and the, the range of learning and experience that comes from that. And, and based on the positive experience of that, we have integrated our rookie camp and transition camp over the last number of years as well, where we've male and female players um, attending both of those alongside each other. And our most recent programme that we've launched being the Next Gen Leaders programme, that's also composed of male and female players. And again, like we know from a lot of other organisations, there is strength in coming together and we've definitely seen evidence of that and it's been really positive across the board. So in terms of some of the other practical things we're doing at the moment, um, our personal coaching and counselling services are available to all male and female members as well as our business supports. Um, So there's a lot happening, I suppose, on the formal side of things, but there's also a lot happening practically. To bring um all the I suppose all of the benefits that the GPA provides for members for male and female players, and I think from a staff perspective it's just been really really and from a personal perspective as well it's been very positive um for me to to see starting off twenty twenty one as a combined organization and to have seen the benefits that male players have gotten from the supports and resources the GPA have now been offered out to to female players and being able to promote those among some of the players I've played with and against so. For me, there's definitely a sense of, of being proud of being involved in that as well. I don't know about you, them, I know you've put an awful lot of work into getting it to the stage as well.
2: Uh, yep, it's been, it's been brilliant, to be honest with you. Um, and the, the work will, will continue. Um, it's, it's, it probably seems like it's already there, but uh, a lot of the stuff's just getting started, really. So very excited about, about what's ahead. Um, I think you summed it up there perfectly. So uh, we'll maybe crack on. Um, next up, we'll, we'll have a chat with uh, Arma genius, is the probably the most apt word, Amy MacKen, about her journey back from injury to the to the very top of the game. Um, and we'll also chat to Rebel legend Emma O'Connor about her, her recent retirement and um, about, I suppose, where Camogie's at the minute and where she hopes for it to go.
3: The Gaelic Players Association, representing the interests of all inter-county players, protecting their welfare on and off the pitch and supporting their development as people. Welcome back, everyone. We are absolutely delighted to have Amy Mackin, the magician from Armagh, joining us. Amy has had an amazing journey over the last couple of years. She injured her cruciate in July 2019 and came back through 2020 with a string of star performances and was announced last weekend as the Ladies Football Senior Player of the Year. Um, It's been a remarkable comeback with displays of scoring in the Championship that lit up social media including a very memorable 2-4 against Dublin in the All-Ireland semi-final and that famous goal that everybody has been raving about since. Amy, welcome along. Massive congrats on your award. You must be thrilled, are you?
1: Thank you very much. Um, Yeah, it's been a surreal few days. Um, Very overwhelming the amount of messages and well wishes that I've got. Um, It's big in our community as well. It's good to see that it's lifted everyone's spirits throughout the community and our club and our county. Um, but just overwhelming and a huge honour for me. Um, it was a big surprise and I suppose to be voted by your peers and people you're playing against is a huge honour as well.
3: Definitely and I suppose being up against two um, stars of the game as well and coming away with, it, with the top spot was brilliant. Um, and that must have been sweet as well, I suppose, as well.
1: Yeah, I have huge admiration for both Carla and Sinead and they've both sent me messages and I think that just shows the calibre of them and they're people I respect very highly and people I've been looking up to over the last number of years as well. I think especially them two players in Dublin Dublin themselves have set the bar pretty high in ladies football and I suppose the rest of us are just trying to reach them standards and just to keep trying to push them higher. Definitely, and by
3: the looks of last year, our are definitely getting closer, which is, is great to see. Um, some really good games last year. In terms of, I suppose, your journey, Amy, as we talked about there just in the, the intro, um, you've had, a, I suppose, a, a difficult year um, from the injury and getting back to the heights that you're at now. Would you mind just telling us a little bit about your injury and what happened and how it felt?
1: Yeah, so I was against Cork last year in the All Ireland All Ireland qualifiers. Um, I just remember changing direction and I felt and heard a pop, uh, but at the time I didn't think I didn't think it was going to be too bad. I had never experienced an injury like that, so I had nothing to compare it with. Um, so I was pretty optimistic, obviously, but then I got the results and um, it wasn't the best news to get, obviously, for any footballer. But it was a tough few days, obviously, finding out. But I think I just I didn't over think about think about it too much I just sort of got on with it and there was not much going to change at that point you know um, I just had to quickly get my head around it and just get on with the process that was going to take to get back on the pitch and obviously when the Covid situation came about as well I think it put a lot of things into perspective for me just in terms of um, those people probably going through more difficult situations than what I was going through
3: Yeah that like that sounds I suppose like a really A really healthy perspective to have on it and to be able to to have that outlook is fantastic and like was there any one thing you think worked particularly well in terms of keeping you disciplined and on track because as you said with COVID and and last year it was such a challenging year for everybody.
1: Yeah well I think especially with the COVID restrictions you know I was training on my own prior to that while the team was training which probably made it more difficult because it is a real lonely place but when the restrictions came about, I think, I suppose I looked at it like everyone's training on their own right now, only I'm just doing a rehab process, but everyone was doing their own training at home. So it sort of made a wee bit of a comparison, like I was doing the exact same thing that everyone else in the country was doing, but only on a different level Um, as such. But I suppose just the whole process, I never, I never overthought it. You obviously get days where you think, you know, you've heard stories of people not coming back from the injury itself and... I do get thoughts like that but I just I tried not to overthink it and just took it step by step and ticked off the boxes that I need to tick to get back onto the pitch and when I got onto the pitch then that was probably the first time I thought of a return to football so I didn't think too far ahead
3: so then just looking at then the return to play, I remember watching your first game back against Tyrone and you were just absolutely beaming. Like you just seemed to be glowing after the game. Um, like it was just, it was great to see. I was just wondering like to get into that kind of state of flow or like where you're just really enjoying playing. Is there anything you do in advance in terms of like mental prep or anything like that?
1: Um, I think I don't. Overthink the situation the week before a game, obviously in training. I know myself if I'm training well. Um, I try not to overthink the situation. I'm because the the same game that you're playing all year, you just have to try bring that uh, into the matches. So, um, it's just all about enjoying the football for me. And I think after the year we all had, um, I wanted to enjoy the year more than ever. So um, I think that probably helped the situation and definitely. I think the onus is on the team. I suppose how the team performs is more important than how one person performs and it's a collective effort at the end of the day.
3: Yeah, definitely. And like I think that leads nicely into the next question I was wondering around was like, just what did it feel like to be back, to be back playing against her own and to be back on the pitch with all the girls?
1: Yeah, it was brilliant even to be back training. I was glad to get team training and not training on my own anymore. Um, but it was just brilliant to have a season in itself and I suppose we're all very grateful for that and um, the first day out obviously meant a lot for me personally as well as the whole team. Um, but it was a great day out and a very enjoyable match, probably a very entertaining match for everyone um all the neutral uh, supporters. But, um, it was a great day out and uh, luckily we got the win to go with it.
3: Definitely, I can vouch for that. It was a great game. Um, and I think it was just for a lot of people, it was great to see you back and back at your best as well. Um. And that was a kind of another question I had was around that kind of maybe pressure of expectation. So obviously, prior to your injury, you were one of our man's star forwards. Like, did you ever have any doubts around kind of getting back to your best or um, anything around that side of things?
1: Uh, I think it's probably normal after having an injury to think like that. Um, but I didn't have too many thoughts like that. Obviously, there's times where you're thinking there's probably before I get on uh, the rehab process, before I got my surgery, I was probably thinking more about it than ever but I tried not to think too much about it but um, it's normal to have thoughts just to whether you're going to get back on the pitch and be able to do the same things that you've done um, but I tried not to focus on it too much and I knew if I put in the right work and uh, trusted the process that I'd get where I wanted to be and obviously you ha- I had to have a lot of luck involved with that too to not pick up any niggles or anything on the process. Yeah, I think
3: your your modesty and kind of humility is coming through there big time, Amy, because you obviously put in an awful lot of hard work to get back to where you were. And were very disciplined and committed to it. Um, I think I've, I've seen a lot of reports now that you're back better than ever, which is brilliant to see. And I think for a lot of other players maybe who have experienced injuries, it's great to have that hope as well that you can come back and you can come back better. Um maybe maybe not as good as Amy Mackin, but you
1: can can, uh... (laughs) I still I still have a lot of work to do myself. Um I've still a lot of improvements to make and when I'm looking back at matches last year I still I made a lot of mistakes. So I have still a lot of work to do and um hopefully over the next few years I can improve even more.
3: Brilliant and like I'm just thinking every back in, in the country is shivering now listening to that but um, <laughs> looking forward then in terms of the strides that Armagh have made like winning the Ulster and getting to the, the semi-final and pushing Dublin so close, what are the areas you think are most important moving forward now for Armagh to kind of bridge that gap between Cork and Galway and, and push for the final and the ultimate All-Ireland glory?
1: Yeah, I think it was a good year for Armagh football last year but um, we don't want to stand still we want to keep improving ourselves and individually we all want to get better and obviously that'll help then collectively on the pitch but I think when you look at when we come up against Dublin the second half they probably just had that way a bit more composure and experience than us and um, they definitely control the second half a lot better and we probably struggle then to get the ball off them and um, but it's something that we can sort of learn from and the games like that that you just have to learn from them, that's the only way to take it. Um so we'll look at that and try to improve for this year coming, but the same as every year, we just take each game as it comes and each game's a different opposition. So we'll just we sort of look to ourselves but obviously you have to look to the other team. But we'll try ourselves now when we get back into training to keep pushing and keep pushing the standards even higher within our own team.
3: Great yeah and hopefully that return to training won't won't be too far away and we'll be back on the pitch soon. Um but yeah that that's great Amy thanks a million it was it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you and really appreciate you you joining us.
1: No problem at all thank you
3: so fantastic to speak to amy there and to hear about her recovery from her crucial injury and how she's made such a remarkable recovery and comeback and staying with the theme of injuries hip and groin injuries are also very common in gaelic games and upmc are our official healthcare partners here is patrick carton from upmc to speak a bit about those kinds of injuries
0: my name is mr patrick carton i'm consultant orthopedic uh, surgeon in upmc Whitfield and I have a special interest in the arthroscopic uh, surgery of the hip and uh, groin in athletes. I'm also the director of orthopedic sports medicine at UPMC in Ireland. Hip and groin injuries uh, are a very common uh, a problem in field sports, uh, in particular in, in sports with fast-acting acceleration, deceleration movements, with uh, twisting and turning and cutting nature. What players often don't know is that the source of a common uh, problem such as groin pain hamstring uh, issues uh, come and originate from the hip joint. Often the symptoms that the athletes can present with include uh, tight hamstrings, a stiffness of the hip joints and the pelvic girdle in general after activity. It can last maybe a day or two before the stiffness settles down. Uh, Many athletes feel that this type of stiffness is a normal association with training or playing but it's quite abnormal. There's much that can be done to try and prevent the development of hip injuries in athletes who partake in field sports. Regular screening of hip movements, of hamstring testing, seeing good squatting technique without weights, avoidance of repeated high-intensity pitch drills. The one piece of advice I would have for athletes who may think they may have a problem with their hips is to seek advice by their their sports doctor or the physiotherapist. If it does come to the stage where surgery is required, then again, our results will show that surgery early has a much higher chance of being very successful and be protective of irreversible damage happening to the hip joints.
2: That piece from UPMC is part of a series dealing with injuries that they have produced for the player's voice. You'll be able to hear more of them in the coming weeks and months ahead. On now to our next guest and I'm delighted to welcome this hero along to properly mark her departure from the playing field. Jem O'Connor recently announced her retirement after playing for 19 years at senior level with Cork and what a career it was. A record 11 All-Stars in Colgate, nine All-Ireland titles, Senior Player of the Year in 2015, and some memorable comebacks from some of the toughest physical setbacks. The equalising score in the last minute of the All-Ireland final in 2017, from over 40 yards out, just three weeks after tearing her MCL, sums up everything that made her such a great force for Cork. In her final campaign only last year, she was back in training just four weeks after puncturing her lung. It's quite remarkable. Off the field, Gemma is a corporal in the Defence Forces, serving several overseas tours, and more recent times, helping out on the front line in the battle against COVID. You're very welcome, along Gemma. Um, delighted to have you on. Um, talking as much as a, a fan girl here, I think, as a, as a, I suppose a fellow player. But um, has uh, it been? You've you had a big announcement there a couple of weeks ago now, retirement. How's it been? How are you feeling about it? And, and what's the reaction been to it all? Um, yeah, to be honest, Gemma, it's been um a kind of a hectic few days it's been very
4: surreal um i suppose since um it has come out and um when i i informed party and the girls and the management i suppose things just kind of took off from there and it's been a kind of a whirlwind few days um i suppose really it's kind of mixed emotions and i don't know has it properly set in yet um I, you know it's been an amazing journey and i've been very fortunate to have had many successes along the way, and um, but yeah, look uh, in the same the same regards. Though I think it's a, a really tough decision. I do feel like I'm almost like leaving the team down, or almost like throwing in the towel. I think it's something that it's very hard to admit. But um, look, I think maybe the time's just right, and then maybe the COVID situation um, has kind of impacted on my decision in that regard and just i suppose with my body and age and maybe i just wanted to kind of finish off maybe you know on my own terms um look i think we'll all love to chase the kind of the perfect ending like but um i could be still chasing that for another 5 years or i could be lucky enough to, to go again this year and it would it would happen but look it's a lottery too and we can't really predict the future in sport and that's the way things go so you just have to call the time when you think the time is right
2: yeah, that's it. It's never an easy decision. And I know even from myself from speaking to a few others this year that the COVID definitely has had a I suppose an influence on that. Um and it's it's probably made it a decision maybe a, b- a small bit easier for some people, although it's never yeah. never easy to call it. But um no, a remarkable career, just I suppose looking back over your, your uh honours. Um you've you've certainly not letting the team down anyway with all the year service that you've You've given, and I suppose one thing that, that came through from the bits of media and that afterwards, just the remarkable ability you had to to sort of overcome your injury setbacks. Like, there didn't seem to be anything physically that you couldn't overcome, um, I suppose, especially 2017 being, being I suppose, the, the best demonstration of that. Like, is there is there anything you could say that, um, I suppose, about your mindset or how, how that came to be about, like, how you were able to... I suppose, overcome everything in your career, even even mentioned last year about the punctured lung and, and coming back from that. Um, just what is it that you, you feel drives you throughout your career and, and helps you to overcome them things? Um,
4: I suppose it's a, mi- a mixture of things, really. Um, I suppose each individual is different, first and foremost. Um you know, uh, we all react differently to different things, uh, our body and our mind. And um, look, I suppose I've been lucky enough over my career to not have too many major injuries. And I suppose 2017 was definitely a setback. And then last year, again, with the punctured lung. Um, I suppose, you know, your backroom team, your 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 doctors, your management, um, if you're lucky enough to have that on your side. And I think you know, if there's a possibility of of coming back from an injury and to play a game or to be back um, on targets, say if your targets for semi final or for rugby championship or an All Ireland, you know, if there's a possibility there for 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 you to get back, then I think um, you know the rehab is essential, um, you have to do everything in your will and in your power to try and do that if it's a possibility. You know, some people, you know, would rehab amazingly, but at the end of the day, maybe things might work out their way. Um, and I was just lucky enough that, you know, with the injury that I did have, that it just it uh, kind of, I suppose, it worked out. It didn't it didn't fall on the day. We say in 2017, at the start of the match, I did feel maybe that my knee wouldn't hold up, but I suppose just um, adrenaline takes over and things like that. And I was fortunate enough that it did hold up again. Then this year I was unfortunate to have that puncture um, long just before the first round of the championship. So, you know, I think uh, the season this year, while it was it was great in terms of the split season with club and into county, it gives very little room for for people yeah. that maybe you know are injured or carrying niggles or knocks. And uh, unfortunately, I missed out practically in the whole of the season and uh, just played one game. But like that, you know, I spoke I spoke with the with the consultant and spoke with the doctors and Patty Murray's been excellent and you know, i you know, I was trying to make sure my nutrition was on point to give me the best possible chance of recovery and if you yeah. you know, you might say, How how do you make it? and uh, better in terms of recovery for something like a punctured lung you know but i suppose you know you're trying to eat all the right things and get as much you know protein and um all the, the the repairing nutrients all your greens and and things like that and it might be just a mind thing but if that's what it takes then you certainly do it and if it works out it works out but um yeah. you know like that my target was to try and get back maybe at some stage and uh i was lucky enough that it, it worked out to get back to the, the semi-final, you know. But um look I think it's just sometimes things work out You you need a bit of luck too, but if there's a possibility there to to do everything in your power to get back for a game, um then I think it's up to yourself to to make that work
2: too, you know. Yeah, yeah. No fair play, no no stone unturned, and I suppose that's the, the ultimate sign of the the high performance. Um I just sort of wondering, I don't know if there's any correlation you'd feel with the I suppose your your career off the pitch, like whether there's a bit of resilience there from that, or if it's I know we talk about transferable skills, but uh, I don't know if it's uh, if it's something that taps into it as well. It's, yeah. Um, um.
4: Yeah, like um, my career has certainly helped with that. Um, I think the characteristics that you need to be maybe in the defence forces is very transferable um, on the sporting pitch, and vice versa. You know the organisation of the defence forces look for people that play sport because they have the characteristics that they want, um, yeah. you know, to join the defence forces and it's all very similar, Um, you know, attributes that you need and like that resilience is, is one of them, you know, and, um, you know, loyalty and courage and physical courage, teamwork, you know, they're all yeah. the same things that we do on the pitch and what we do in the defence forces. So, you know, I think I've been lucky enough to to learn those skills and to have those skills to 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 apply to both sets. And uh, I suppose you know what you've learned um, in work. When it comes down to the nitty gritty of it, you can apply onto the pitch. Like, and um, you know, I think I've been lucky in that way to to have those. Um, those attributes for for both, you know, and uh, it's definitely worked in my favour, I think, in in some regards, but look, you know, there's there's been some years too that all those things don't come together, you know, and uh, you lose, uh, you lose semi-finals and you lose All-Ireland, so, like, it's not always, it's not always the the perfect mixture or the perfect potion, or perfect combination or whatever you want to call it, you know, things do falter too and that's just the way.
2: I suppose your professional career looked a small bit different in, in 2020, given the COVID situation, Gemma. I know there was a bit of coverage online as well about, about the role on the, the front line. Um, you might just tell us a bit about what that looked like and, and what role you had to play this year.
4: Yeah, so in 2020, um, the Defence Forces was um, involved in the fight against COVID and our contribution with the HSC and the National Ambulance Service. And... Um, you know, throughout the the organisation, you had people that were involved in logistically, um, in engineering roles, um, uh, medically. So I'm in the medical corps at the moment, and um, my role was, um, at the time was to go testing in various testing centres and nursing homes, supporting the HSC and the National Ambulance Service. Um, so a lot of that time was taken up, and I was pretty busy. Um, I suppose in terms of the COVID. The situation was quite dynamic in that it changed a lot. Um it would be really busy for a few months and then it might be quiet for a few weeks. Um and then depending on the situation of um cases and outbreaks and um things like that, you know, we, we you'd have to change and adapt and we 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 might be told at last minute that we'd have to, you know, send people up to go testing for three or four days up the country like so you know, I suppose in terms of, of the COVID situation that was our involvement. Um, I suppose that phase now is, is, is kind of stopped a bit. And uh, the next phase f- for us um, is, um, I suppose, the vaccination phase and whatever our involvement in that will be. So
2: um, that's, that's the next plan going forward. Yeah. That's brilliant. Fair play um, on all your, your service, I suppose. Just bringing it back to Camogie then. um, Obviously, the one of the this was the big thing last year. Aside from COVID, maybe was the new rules introduced for the Camogie, the trial rules. Yeah. Um, I know ourselves. uh, You you worked with with ourselves maybe on a bit of the I suppose the the background work and looking at I suppose potential changes in that. Um, And I suppose just to reflect on your experience, how was it? Do you think it made a, a positive impact? The rules are up for vote now at Congress on the 10th of April for Camogie as to whether to introduce them permanently. So I suppose just would you be in favour of that based on your, your experiences in the past year? Yeah, like I uh,
4: definitely welcome the new rule changes. I do think while they're introduced, they haven't pro- maybe not been implemented properly. Um, Maybe just talking from maybe the, the good, point, uh, good points on the rules. I think, you know, the dropping the hurley and the hand pass is definitely... um. I I that's that's a great rule that's after been implemented and uh, I think that's you know, that that's a plays an advantage I suppose in terms of a defend defending and from, from goalkeeper, but I think, you know, the Camogie the players above the skill of hand passing the ball into the goal. So I think that the strike pass, you know, it, it's definitely it's definitely better. So I I definitely agree with that. I think that has been a huge advantage so far. Um I think, you know, think, in terms of quick puck-outs and, and the freeze from the hand, which you don't really see that much. I don't know, do the players still not kind of realise that we can still do it? Um, but look, I think the quick puck-out from the goalkeeper is good. And, and as I said, the free from the hand, um, I haven't really seen it too much. Um, in terms of contact, I still think that maybe um, there's a little bit of room for discussion on that yet. Yes. You know they're saying that a player may use minimal contact on an opponent's body from side to side, but like, how do you police minimal contact and what is it? And uh, I think it should be just called, you know, a fair shoulder. You know, it should be, you know, it should be probably in line with the hurling rules. I still that that think that's up for debate, um, and referees still tend to call on on maybe silly silly fouls or maybe um, they're not calling them at all. So I, I still think there's, there's a bit of clarity needed on the whole contact um, um, yeah. uh, rule. Um, another one as well is maybe persistent fouling. I think maybe that needs to be, um, I don't know, looked at again. again. Um, I suppose in terms of last year, you can see that maybe there's a lot of cynical fouling for maybe um, players up front. Um, I think that you know, if a team is deliberately trying to stop a player, then that needs to be looked at, and opposed and maybe harsher penalties need to be given out as opposed to a tick by the referee and two yellow cards. Um, but look, so far, I think I welcome the the rule changes, and I definitely think that you know, is going in the right direction in terms of progressing and introducing and welcoming new rule changes. Um, and I just think that you know, uh, maybe the the, the contact rule change just needs a little bit of clarity on
2: it. Yeah, yeah, that's there seems to be, I suppose, on the ground uh, roundly supportive of um of the new rules. So hopefully, um, hopefully, it'll create plenty more debate, I suppose, after Congress. But uh, I think I think the sense that I get is that most would be in favour, and of have all been been introduced. Yeah. Um, so I know just on that, like, what's the what's your hopes for the future of Camogie? Are you are you planning to stay involved yourself, or what sort of role would you like in the future? Or um, what? well, in terms of Intercounty um, obviously you know I'll be probably
4: taking a break for, um this year and maybe next year um I'll be playing obviously club um still, and in get in terms of getting involved in Intercounty down the line, I definitely would like that um. At some stage, and I would hope that, you know, whatever knowledge I've gained over the last 19 years of Intercounty Camogie that, you know, I I can add to that from a managerial point of view or a selective point of view down the line. So I I definitely look forward to maybe getting involved in the Cork setup along the line, whether it's underage,
2: um, intermediate or at senior level. Yeah, that's brilliant. I'm sure Cork would be more than happy to have you involved uh, with all your experience. Um that's kind of it, Gemma. Thanks very much. Uh, I really appreciate it. Um two Gemma's doing a better job than yeah. two Johnny, I think, today. So <laughs> we'll uh, we'll leave it at that and anyway. I wish you all the very best for all the new adventures and ventures ahead. Um and as I say, hopefully we'll we'll see you hopefully in, in action with the club, but back on a I say line in some capacity too in yep. the in the not too distant that's future. Yeah, brilliant, Gemma. Thanks a million.
3: The Gaelic Players Association, representing the interests of all inter-county players protecting their welfare on and off the pitch and supporting their development as people. Fantastic to hear Gemma there. um, And thanks a million to to Gemma and Gemma for that really insightful conversation. Um, That's it for this week, folks. Thanks a million to everyone for joining and for listening and for helping us mark International Women's Day. Um, I don't know, I'm I'm a bit hesitant to say I enjoyed that. It was definitely an experience and hopefully it was something that that the listeners will enjoy listening to. Um, Gemma, I'm not sure how you found your first experience of podcasting
2: uh yeah, it was uh I was saying the hashtag for International Women's Day is Choose to Challenge. So I think Kieran and Colm definitely chose to challenge us. But uh no, it was a great experience. Um a bit more personal development if you like. So we're, we're walking the walk. Um but it was great to hear from the, the two guests, um two players I suppose at opposite ends of their career, but I suppose it's the the mindset of high performance that, that's the real insightful bit uh to hear what ties in together um so it was really enjoyable great to be on with you jenny as well um and thanks to everyone for tuning in and um, hopefully <laughs> we'll not be back again anytime soon but uh thanks very much folks